Ministries, and we just wanted to welcome Ethan and Amy today and let them share a quick testimony. Uh, God is moving and working in uh, parts of the world where it's difficult to live out the gospel or share the gospel. Come on come up, up, guys. Scoot over and let's give them some room and share a little bit, guys. Give them a good welcome, Ethan and Amy. Thank you, Pastor Jeff. Um, we always love coming back to New Song and being with you guys. We're always blessed by how encouraging you guys are and how you've supported me since I was a single and went now to YWAM and then us as a couple and then us as we're becoming a family in March. Um, we're so grateful for Yay. that. But yeah, we moved to the Arab Gulf um, nine months ago, and it's been a bit of adjustment, a lot of learning things culturally, a lot of like figuring out how to do life there. Mm. But through that, God's opened up so many opportunities, so many people that we've already developed deep friendship with and had deep conversations with already. And we could tell you a lot of stories, but Amy has one that she's going to share with us today. I have a story. Um... So a couple months ago, we were hanging out with our Muslim friends in a park, and this girl walked past, and, and she just had cute dogs, started talking to her. And after a while, she was like, um, she pulled me aside, and she said, can, can we chat? I was like, yeah. She said, are you, are you a Christian? And I said, yeah. And she said, I haven't really met many good Christians. A lot of them are very surface level, not very deep. Can I ask you some questions? said, yeah, you can ask me anything. And this girl was a Muslim. She's from a closed nation. She was living where we live temporarily. And so she starts asking me these questions about what we believe. And she said, you believe in two gods and you believe in, um, you know, Jesus was saying he is, the, he is God, but we know he is not God. And was just saying all this stuff. And so I was listening, listening. And I said to her, I said, actually, that's not what I believe. Can, can I tell you what I do believe? And she's like, yeah. And so I shared the gospel with her, and she sat there, and she's pondering, and she starts to tear up, and she goes, you're very good with your words. You're, very, you're, trying, to, you're trying to pull me in. And I said, no, I'm just telling you what my book says. And she said she had, she had a lot of questions, and it turns out this girl was only 14, and she said, I can't talk to my family about this. It would be mm. a big shame thing. Mm. I want to read your book. I don't really understand it. Um, and I shared my testimony with her. And we're, we're talking for quite a while. She said, well, how do you, how do you know your book's true and my, my book isn't true? And I said, well, why don't we just... I explained who the Holy Spirit was and that we can hear God's voice. And I said, why don't we pray and I'll ask God to show me something about you that there's no way that I can know because I've just met you. She's like, okay. Wow. <laughs> She's like, give it a go. So I, I prayed and I, the Lord shared something very simple with me, like she's creative. She has a gift of creativity. So I said, you're really creative. And she went, oh, yeah, I love art. I'm very creative. Wow. And That's I said, awesome. God, God knows everything about you and shared the gospel with her again. And she said, okay. I will read your book. Can we read the book together, which is illegal? And so I said, yep. She said, but just don't tell, don't tell my parents. I said, I won't tell your parents. So when we get back, um, we're going to sit down and, and keep going through the gospel together and, wow. and reading stories. So, um, yeah, the Lord's been really faithful to give us opportunities like that. And 
I was really amazed by this girl because for her to put herself out there and ask those questions is quite risky. And she was only 14. So mm. just to encourage you, like people are searching, are seeking. They're not mm. closed off like people say they are. Um, and just want to say thank you to everyone that does give to the Harvest Project because it's it's because of part of that that then we can actually be there and do these things. So we just want to thank New Song for partnering with us and praying for us and everything like that. So thank you. Wow. That's awesome. What a... Man, I love that new strategy for evangelism. It. Guys... We're going to have you pray Let's over us, that. Amy, Let's for, do it. That's for so later. Fun. Yeah. That is awesome. Ask the I'm going to pray Spirit. and ask the Lord to show yeah. me something about you that I couldn't know in any way. Mm-hmm. That is awesome. Wow. Yeah, it is. And uh, may God continue to bless you guys yeah. there in uh, the Arab Gulf. Uh, Andy, when you get a chance and slow down, we want to invite you back to come and share, mm-hmm. share your heart with us at some point. It's been a while since we've heard from you. Yeah. So, man, God's doing some cool stuff. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the opportunity to give today. Lord, it is an incredible privilege and honor to give, and we give because you first gave. We give because you are a generous God in so many ways. So, Lord, bless our giving today. Bless the gift and the giver. Bless our missionaries and ministries all over the world. May they continue, just like we heard from Ethan and Amy, to share your love and see you move in supernatural ways to open hearts to receive that love. Lord, bless them in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. 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 God bless you guys. Hey, in just a week or two, we'll be sharing with you the vision of Harvest Project 2023. So we're excited about that. I want to share something with you today quickly because it is the first day of the year. Uh, One of the things we do as a church, we've been doing this for many years, it's, I think, one of the most powerful things and helpful things that we do if you will commit to it, and that is read God's Word together. Uh, Statistics have proven out there's nothing that's more life-changing than daily being in God's Word. So today I started my new uh, one-year Bible reading plan. And this big, huge, long thing, which I I wish I could have shortened down, but it wasn't up to me, is the way to join, okay? I've already sent an invitation to many of you, and some of you have already accepted that. Pam, glad glad you accepted that this morning, and Jen. Um, But if you will take a picture of that, and I know that's going to take a little bit of time to, to type in. But that's the one-year Bible on the YouVersion Bible app, okay? The YouVersion Bible app. And that'll take you right to it. You can join. And together, every day, there's a little opportunity for you not only to put the verse that stood out to you through the reading that day, but also to make some comments on that, to share together with others. It's just a precious and powerful way for us to kind of track together. Now, somebody a couple of years ago asked the question, does this mean Pastor Jeff's going to be able to see how often I read God's Word? (laughs) And uh, I kind of like that idea, but I haven't been able to figure out how to get that part to work. So that would be pretty cool, you know? Come to you on Sunday, hey, you're falling behind a little bit, you need to... No, I'm just kidding. But uh, no, I can't see when you have or haven't read, I only can see when you make a journal entry, okay? So 
but we can read together, and it's a powerful thing. The other thing we personally encourage is the daily audio Bible, started by a, a good friend of ours, Brian Harden, mm -hmm. and uh, we've got an invitation out to Brian and Jill to come back and share with us, but that's, that's an opportunity. Some guys especially don't necessarily... Uh, they, they like to listen on the way to work, and this is a great way to do it. It follows the one-year Bible reading plan. Brian is, is an insightful pastor. He, he will share afterwards some thoughts on the reading for the day. The one-year plan is the Old Testament, the New Testament, Psalms, and Proverbs. So every day you're getting a portion from each of those four places, and it's just really powerful, and I would encourage you to join up and be a part. Amen? Amen. And then tell us a little bit about this, honey. Oh, yeah, guys, we are starting our prayer and fasting on January the 9th this year. Um, that will not be next Sunday, but that will be that Monday. And we're doing it with our Foursquare denomination. So um, if you have not already, you can download your free prayer guide. It's really neat because uh, they'll be sending you everyday devotions and, and prayer on countries and different things like that as well. And so, um, but we're going to be doing that January the 9th. So we really pray. Uh, encourage you to pray about what to fast, what God is leading you to do, because um, we just want you to get a word from the Lord to what he wants you to do. So we are not telling everybody what to do, because we want you to hear from the Lord. And we want all of us to corporately be fasting something together for the 21 days. It's powerful. So make sure you go to foursquareprayer.org and sign up. You'll get a daily devotional. You'll get uh, other things there to encourage you in that. Next week, we're going to have some paper copies of a book that that's put out for the fast, mm -hmm. and we'll have those available for you too. So thank you, sweetie. Can you give my wife a good hand today? So appreciate her. Would you say first things first with me? Would you say that with me this morning? First things first. I find it a real privilege and honor today, in all honesty, to be preaching to you, to be sharing God's Word with you on the first day of the first week of the first month of this year. Uh, it doesn't fall that way very often, I think maybe every seven years. Uh, Tracy and I had an invitation to and, and basically a paid trip to Denver at this time. We were invited to be a part of what's called the NOW Conference that's happening in Denver today, through today. But in all honesty, we did not want to miss this Sunday with you because to me this is a hugely important Sunday as we kick off a brand new year together. So this morning I want to share a message simply called First Things First on this first day of the first week of the first month of this year. C.S. Lewis put it this way, and I, I love, I, I tell you today, I, I, I pulled up C.S. Lewis quotes, so just reading through a number of them. If you haven't done that, it, it'll bring revival to your heart, just hearing the wisdom of this incredible, incredible godly man of the past. But here's what C.S. Lewis said. He said, put first things first, and second things are thrown in. Put second things first, and you lose both first and second things. Pretty deep thought. Ponder on that just a little bit. I don't know how many of you have been, you've traveled, and maybe you've been to Death Valley. Here's a picture from Death Valley. <laughs> Death Valley named that way, quite honestly, because nothing grows in Death Valley. It's the hottest, driest place in all of America. Nothing grows there because it doesn't rain. Hence the name Death Valley. 
But in the winter of 2004, something extraordinary happened. It rained in Death Valley. In fact, it didn't just it wasn't just a little rain, it was a massive downpour. Seven inches of rain fell over a very short period. And in the spring of 2005, there was a phenomena. The whole floor of Death Valley was carpeted in flowers, and here's what they call it. They call it a super bloom. I, I just love the title even, to be honest with you, a super bloom. I'm believing God for a super bloom in your life in 2023. That rain, here's what it proved. It proved that Death Valley isn't dead. It proved that Death Valley was just dormant. That there were seeds that had fell down into the cracks of that hardened soil that just needed the right environment to bloom. And when the rain came, the seeds were waiting for resurrection. All they needed was the right condition in order to come alive. So here's the point this morning. If the conditions are rife, life will happen. If you and I can just freshly make a commitment and surrender to the Lord and get in his presence this year like never before, I'm telling you, your life is going to super bloom. Psalm 16, 11 says this, you will show me the path of life and in your presence is fullness of joy and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Psalm 92 says, those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of their God. This morning I want to talk about first things first, I want to talk about habits and I want to hopefully encourage you towards some habits that will bring about that super bloom. Because as Aristotle said long ago, we are what we repeatedly do. And a lot of us, we have these big hopes in life. We hope things will change. We hope for better days ahead. But we don't put the habits in place to see the hopes realized. In other words, a lot of us have uphill hopes and downhill habits. And if that's true, we're going to be flustered, we're going to be discouraged. You've got to have uphill hopes and uphill habits to see those hopes flourish and come alive. Hope's not a strategy. Hope will get you going but it's the habits you put in place in your life every single day that'll keep you going. And yes, I understand this is not easy. If it was, everyone would do it. It's challenging. It takes deliberate intentionality. But let me just say to you again this morning, everything worthwhile in life is uphill. It's not downhill. One of the brothers and I were talking before church, I said, you know, growth never happens in the comfort zone. It just doesn't. I, I find myself in some scenarios, even, even uh, right now, right now, where I'm being stretched outside my comfort zone. And um, God's moving and working in me because of that. And it's a good thing. And you and I, we need to welcome those opportunities where God nudges us out of the comfort zone into what we would call the growth zone. 
God will help us. Godly habits are godly principles. They're biblical. So I, I want to believe for great things in this new year. In a couple of weeks, I want to start a, a series on the power of faith in our lives. I believe it's going to help us walk deeper in faith and see God do greater things in our lives and our families. One of my favorite scriptures that has been for a long time, and, and I know there's kind of a, you know, a, a newfound emphasis on this scripture, which is quite interesting. It used to hang right up here, right, in the beginning of our church, in the early days. Jeremiah 29, 11. I've loved this scripture for a long time. That, that basically says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. And a lot of folks have, you know, have, have, wanted to kind of dis, dispel that verse from being the most popular verse on plaques and bookmarks and all that kind of thing and remind us again and again and again, and, and rightfully so because it's biblical, right? The context is they're in exile. The children of God are in exile. They've been driven from their homeland into Babylon. They're living in the midst of Babylon, and, and life is tough, and yet in the midst of a difficult scenario, and this is why you know emphasizing the context doesn't change the verse for me at all, because the heart of the verse is simply, regardless of where God's placed you, whether you're in exile or you're in your, you know, your homeland, God wants to bless and prosper you. He wants to give you a future and a hope. And, you know, God, God's perspective was totally different than what most of ours would have been, right? We would have been, you know, gloom, despair, and agony on me. We'd been singing the old song, you know. I'm not, I'm not at home. I, I'm in this foreign land, and I don't like it. And God's saying, no, plant crops. Have children. Flourish, even in this foreign land, because I'm with you. I'm with you. So this morning, you know, I, I love the passage in John chapter 4 where Jesus encounters the little lady at the well. And I won't go into the story too much, but I, I, I love his response, Jesus' response to her in, in verse 10. He says, if you knew the gift of God, if you just knew the gift of God, and if you just knew who it is that's talking to you, I, I want you to hear that this morning. If you just knew that the Lord was talking to you, inviting you, beckoning you to take a drink of his living water so that you might flourish, so that you might be blessed, so that you might move into a new place of blessing in him, God has a hope and a future for you. But you know, part of that, part of embracing that is the key of repentance, repenting from our past, allowing the Lord to cover it over, allowing God to do a new thing in us, allowing God to lead us on a new path. Repentance is, in essence, a course correction. That's what it is. It's a change of thinking. Metanoia means to change the way you and I see things, the way we think about things, and to line up our thinking and our seeing with God's thinking and seeing. If you've been around recovery ministries at all, you may have heard this, but I want to share it with you this morning because it's pretty impactful. But it's simply called My Life in Five Chapters. My Life in Five Chapters. Maybe you've heard it. I went for a walk. 
and I fell in a deep, dark hole, and it took me a long time to get out. Chapter 2, I went for a walk, and I fell in the same deep, dark hole, and it took me a long time to get out. Chapter 3, I went for a walk, and this time I saw the hole, but I got a little too close to it. And I slipped into that same deep, dark hole. And it took me a long time to get out. Chapter 4. I went for a walk. And I saw the hole. And this time, I decided to walk around it. Chapter 5. I went for a walk down another street. Amen? <laughs> Amen? Come on, somebody. Time to stop repeating those first four chapters. Time to find God's path for your future, a path of super blooming instead of Death Valley. Amen? Amen. Philippians chapter... Man, what happened here? I've lost my place. Philippians chapter 3, Paul says this, Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Wouldn't it be cool if all of us just made that determination today? This year, I'm going to do one thing. I'm going to strive. I'm going to forget what is behind. I'm going to strain toward what is ahead. I'm going to press toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. For that to happen, let me tell you, there's going to have to be the formation of some uphill habits. Your life, my life, can be, can be radically different in just one year. If we'll make the right decisions today and put the right habits in place today. The relationships you build, the commitment you have to God's word, the commitment you have to prayer, to silence and solitude, to the spiritual disciplines, to reading good, edifying spiritual books, to being with brothers and sisters in Christ, all those things are a part of what God can and will use to make your life look radically different this next year. I love Romans chapter 12, verse 2. It's one of my favorite verses, and I want to read it to you in the message because Eugene Peterson has a way to just make things pop when he says them. Fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity. God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. How many of you, you don't have to raise your hand on this, but how many of you would love, love, love to see God's well-formed maturity formed in you this year? That sounds like a pretty good goal, doesn't it? God's well-formed maturity. Inside your bulletin, how many of you got a bulletin as you came in? There's a little very bright color paper. I want to share it with you just quickly. 
Pull that out. Look at it. I, this is your homework assignment. This is your prayerful homework assignment, okay? Or we might even call it heart work. Before the Lord, as we enter this new year, 10 questions that I want you to take time, stop, contemplate, pray, listen to the Lord. Number one, what's the one thing you could do this year to increase your enjoyment of God? What's the one thing you could do? Number two, what's the most humanly impossible thing you'll ask God to do this year? Not something that's possible in your own power or strength. Something you are absolutely dependent upon God to do. Number three, what's the single most important thing you could do to improve the quality of your family life this year? Number four, in which spiritual discipline do you most want to make progress this year and what will you do about it? Number five, what's the single biggest time waster in your life and what will you do about that this year? Number six, what's the most helpful new way you can strengthen your church? Let's read that one again. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Number seven, for whose salvation will you pray most fervently this year? Number eight, what's the most important way you will, by God's grace, try to make this year different from last year? Number nine, what one thing could you do to improve your prayer life this year? And then number 10, listen to this one. Powerful. What single thing that you plan to do this year will matter the most in 10 years or in eternity? We're going to need to form some uphill habits in order to experience that well-formed maturity that Christ absolutely wants to bring to you and I. Let's look at one habit today, the one that's most important. First things first, amen? So we've got to focus on what to do first. In Scripture, it's what we call the principle of priority, and it's simply this, that in every facet, in every area of your life, that you, you strive to put God first. Nothing is going to change your life in a greater measure than simply putting God first in every area of your life. Let me give you a sober truth this morning, and you think about this with me. Some of you might disagree, but ponder this in your heart. If God's not first in your life, you really don't have God in your life. God is not designed, God is not really capable, if you will, of taking another place in your life. If he's not, if, he's, if God's on your list but not at the top of your list, he's actually not on your list. He refuses the God, the supreme God of this universe who created all things through the power of his spoken words, who is absolutely worthy of our highest praise, our honor, all the glory. He refuses to be denigrated to a lower place than his true worth and value in your life. He has the right to do that. Why? Because he gave his first 
to us. He always models truth for us and what he expects from us. He says, I'm going to show you the priority that you and I have in this life by giving to you my only son. And I'm giving him as a sacrifice to pay for your sins. And by the way, it's going to be in a grueling, difficult manner, but he's going to pay the price past present, and future for all of your sins. Christianity, by the way, is not about joining a church. It's not about going through the growth track, going on a mission trip. Christianity really is about reordering your life completely, in, in totality, to reflect that God is first in every area of your life. The great theologian from the 600s, Augustine, said it this way. Either Jesus is Lord of all, or he is not Lord at all. Chew on that a little bit. He's the supreme creator. He's the almighty God. He's the king of kings, the Lord of lords. He's the worthy one. He's completely worthy of all your praise and all your honor and all your glory. And he desires first place in your life. No other place. First place in your life. There's no other place that God fits. He doesn't fit in second or third or fourth or 25th place. He's first or he's not really in your life. Genesis 1.1, I read it this morning as I started my Bible reading for the year. The first four words are so powerful and, and so helpful for us. They teach us this principle of priority. In the beginning, God. In the beginning, God. Exodus 20 verses 1 through 3 says, And God spoke all these words, I am the Lord your God. Who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. That's ten commandments, folks. No other gods before me. Do you get that? The gravity of that? The weight of that? The power of what the word of God is saying to us there? Oh, you might try to put him down the list, but that's not where he belongs. And that's not what he desires. No gods before me. That doesn't mean that God minds you loving other things. I find that when Jesus is Lord of my life, reigning and ruling supremely in my life, I can love my wife even better. But if I put her in that first place, things get wonky because she doesn't that's not where she's supposed to be. Not Lord of my life, first place in my life. Only Jesus is worthy of sitting on the throne of your heart. And when he does, all the rest of those second things get thrown in, like C.S. Lewis so powerfully said. He doesn't mind you loving something else. Just don't love that more than him. Put God first in your lives. I, I'm just, as I 
I was even praying and preparing for this time together. I just started to envision, what would that look like? If all of us, if all of us, just corporately, every one of us just said, man, we're going to put God first. We're really going to do it. We're going to take that step of faith. We're going we're to make those sacrifices. We're going to dethrone some things in our lives. We're going to crucify some things in our lives. We're going to put him first. There was this little gathering, this little prayer gathering that, that happened in a little village in Germany called Hernhut, and, and it was led by Count, uh, Count Zinzendorf and became known, what, what is, became known as the, the Moravian movement. Maybe you've heard about it in history. It's actually a, a very small little community, but you wouldn't believe the impact that community had. If you trace the impact of the Hernhut Moravian community and their commitment, their absolute commitment to Christ, putting Jesus first in everything, being willing to go anywhere and do anything he called them to do. Maybe you've heard the story of the two missionaries from the Moravian movement who sold themselves, were willing to sell themselves into slavery in the Caribbean so that a people could hear the gospel. Out of this Moravian movement, it was, it's amazing what happened. John Wesley got saved. George Whitfield was deeply encouraged and strengthened through the Moravian movement. And, and the, the ripples go on and on and on throughout history from that time. Just a small group of people who made an absolute commitment to God. It's never, it's never really, folks, how, how many people we're gathering. It's, the, it's the, the seriousness of the commitment we're making together. It's, the, it's coming together in unity and community and saying, okay, God, we're all in. Now what can you do through us? What will you do through us? Put God first. Secondly, give God Give God the first of everything. Again, I, I believe this principle runs through Scripture from Genesis to Revelation that God wants the first of everything. And I don't believe this is just a money principle. It, it's much bigger than that. Leviticus 27.30 says, A tithe of everything. A tithe of everything from the land, whether grain, from the soil, or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It's holy to the Lord. A tithe of everything. Set it apart. Make it holy. Honor God through it. I, I love the fact that, that we have push pay now. It makes it so simple and so easy. And this is what Tracy and I do. As soon as we get paid, we don't pay any other bill. We don't, we don't go out and you know, spend money on something else. We tithe first. And then we give to the Harvest Project second. And it's really cool. I can do it with my thumbs just in a minute or two. I can put God first. Deuteronomy 14.23 says this. Listen, the purpose of tithing is to teach you to always put God in first place in your life. Man, what would happen if a small group of people over at 9310 Old Henry Road just said, Okay, God... <laughs> The first day of the first week of the first month of 2023, we made a decision together to put you first in all things. What could God do and what would God do through this body? 
Let's talk about some firsts. The first of our year. The first of our year. We're getting ready. Next week we'll start 21 days of prayer and fasting. I know some of you might look at me strange, but I really look forward to this time. I, it, just weeks before, I'm starting to think about the fast. I'm starting to pray about I'm getting excited about the fast. Because it's, a, it's a, a very clear, definitive way to say, okay, God, you're first in my life. I'm willing to give up even the very sustenance that keeps my body alive to say very clearly, you're first, God, you're my life. Jesus said it this way, right? Man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. We're encouraging everybody to fast something. There's four types of fast. Let me run to that real quick. There's a complete fast, water or juice only. Some of you may feel called to that. Uh, that's a pretty serious fast, of course. And that's one that, 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 that we've done a few times over the years, and it's a powerful experience. Some may choose a selective fast, and, and guess what? It, you know, just enter in somewhere, okay? God's going to honor it. It's not about whether you do the complete or the selective or the partial or the soul. It's about you honoring God and putting Him first in your life. A selective fast is where you, you choose certain foods to fast. Maybe you say, you know what, I'm going to give up all sodas. I'm going to give up bread. I'm going to give up sweets. One guy said, you know, I'm giving up uh, Brussels sprouts for the fast. I said, no, that doesn't count, bro. That does not count. Sorry. You don't eat them anyway, you know. I mean, that, that is not fair. You got to give up something that means something, right? That's the whole principle. You're sacrificing and saying, God, you're more important than my, than my uh, appetite. My hunger for you is greater than my appetite for these things of the world. A partial fast. Fast breakfast or lunch, maybe a meal a day, or maybe you do it the Jewish way, sun, sundown to sun up, uh, or you, you eat, or you fast from sundown to sun up, and then you eat during the, the other times. Or maybe, let me invite you into what we'll call a soul fast. And I think this one is becoming so incredibly important. What goes into my emotions and my mind? And, and we're living in a world today where we're so deeply influenced by social media and TV and all different kinds of things, Instagram and Facebook and you name it. What if you laid that down for 21 days? What if you completely unhooked from that for 21 days? Give God the first of your month. Let me go back. Also give God the first or the first of your year. Give him the first of your month. This is about scheduling and budgeting. Sit down with your spouse if you're married. Sit down and, and just have some time with God if you're single. But look over your schedule. When you look over the month, is God really in it? Or has God been edged out of your schedule? Make sure you're scheduling in those times for fellowship, those times for encouragement, those times for getting together where there's iron sharpening iron going on in your life that's helping you grow and stay steadfast in your faith. Look over your month and, and look at where your money is going. Are you being generous? Are you really being a good steward of all that God has given you? The first of 
Tracy and I's money goes to New Song, then to Harvest Project. What about you? Where's that going? How about the first of my week? First day of the week is Sunday, right? It got, it got changed back in the calendar way back because on the Sabbath, the resurrection happened on a Sunday and the early Christians made that the first day of the week because it was the day we were to worship. It was the day that we would begin the week by honoring God, putting Him first. Do you realize that? Let me ask this question. What would your life look like if you were here, if you were in church 50 Sundays out of the year? Giving you just a couple off, okay? But what would that look like? You know, it's sad because the, the statistics are today that even the committed people in church are, are only showing up about one to two times a month. Something's missing there. Something's wrong there. Make time on Sunday to worship and to rest. How many of you are like me and you take a holy nap on Sunday afternoon? I mean, there's nothing better. I mean, it's so sweet. Enjoy that nap. Enjoy that rest. Sabbath is about worshiping. It's about stopping. It's about resting. And it's about delighting in God. Take a walk. Eat a good meal. Delight yourself in God's goodness. Do something you really enjoy. Enjoy your family. Listen, honoring the Sabbath is so important to God's heart. And you know what? You'll get more done in six days with God helping you than you will in seven. Amen? Is it an amen or an oh me? I mean, this is a tough one for some of us. Whenever you wonder, think about Chick-fil-A, right? What a dirty, rotten trick to play, Chick-fil-A. Tim Hawkins sings, right? Oh, Chick-fil-A. He wants that Chick-fil-A on Sunday. But aren't you glad there's still some remnant in our society of people who are honoring the Sabbath? Used to be more widespread. It certainly did. Aren't you glad for things like uh, uh, Hobby Lobby, another one that honors the Sabbath? And it's amazing, those, those, those uh, businesses have been incredibly blessed. How about the first of your day? Give God the first of your day. Here's what my, my morning typically, typically looks like. My alarm goes off, I slip out of my bed onto my knees, and I surrender afresh to Jesus, and I commit my heart to him for that day. After a little time on my knees, I get up, I go in, brush my teeth, start to get ready for the day, go down, get my good cup of coffee, good coffee, okay? God loves good coffee, amen? Amen to that? Brought back a bag of Cuban, man, I've been enjoying that coffee, Woo! some good coffee. Start the day honoring God. Give him 10 minutes, 20 minutes, an hour, however much time you can give him. Let it build, let it grow. But start the day honoring God first. Somebody said, well, can't you do it any time of the day? Yes, you can. But I'm telling you, there's something special about starting your day with God. Here's an uphill habit for you. We'll call it the first 15. Okay? Just to give you kind of an outline and kind of a, a goal. First 15. Five minutes in the Word. 
five minutes in worship, and then five minutes in prayer. It's not a lot, but I'm telling you, it's a good starting place. Spend that time reading the Word. Pick out one meaningful song. What a beautiful name it is. Jesus, what a beautiful name. Just worship the Lord with that song. And then close in that time of prayer, five minutes of just focused prayer. Let me tell you what is going to happen, I really believe, as we close today. You You put God first. You really surrender. You really give Him all. You really make Him Lord over all in your life. I believe you'll bless the rest. I believe you'll see this principle in action in your life. He'll do it. It's a biblical principle of the first, the, 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 the principle of priority. He blesses. You, you give Him 10%. I don't know how He does it. I, I don't claim to know how it all works in God's economy. But somehow the 90% goes farther. Somehow that happens. You give God the first of your day, he blesses the rest. You give God that first day of the week as a day of rest and worship, he'll bless the rest of the week. Somehow God does it. Proverbs 3 says this, in all your ways acknowledge him. Honor the Lord. With your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops, then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. Would you bow your heads, close your eyes with me for just a moment this morning? If you're here today and you really know in your heart that God's not first in your life. Would you, would you just take a moment and pray with me and make him first right now? Just take a step of faith. Take, take a leap of faith. Trust the Lord in this. To, to cry out to God in this. Maybe, maybe you're here and in all honesty you've wandered pretty far from the Lord. Or maybe you've never. You've never really made him Lord of your life. You just pray with me right now, right where you're sitting. Just you and God, if you just say this with me. Dear God, I, I want you first in my life. I don't want there to be any other loves or any other gods before you. I want to put you in that rightful place that you absolutely deserve. I want you to be Lord of my life. Forgive me of my sins. Forgive me where I failed, where I've messed up. Forgive me where I put my own self first and other things before you. And help me now to make you first in all things. Teach me how to live for you fully and completely with you as Lord of my life. Let this year be a different year than any other year before. Because it's a year I'm honoring you. Help me, Lord. In Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer, I'd love to, love to talk to you. Maybe after we dismiss here today, just come up and let me know. For the rest of us, would you stand with me for a moment? Prayed a blessing over you earlier. Had you put your hand over your heart. Would you join me again just putting your hand over your heart?
for those of you that feel led to start this year off with first things first. And God being that first and center thing. Would you just pray with me as we close today? God, I want to honor you. Would you pray it with me? Just repeat after me. God, I want to honor you in all things as first and foremost, as Lord and Savior of my life, every part of my life. I want to honor you. I want to serve you. I want to please you. Help me to do that in this new year. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Can you give the Lord praise this morning?